This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas 80, State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Tristis height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Ben MGM tonight, DJ Glasser, Trista Crick, Ryan Horvat, Nick Ashew. With the night off, two hours down, two hours still to go. We're with you until 11 o'clock Eastern time here on the BeckQL Network. You watch us on twitch.tv slash BeckQL. Go over to YouTube, search Odyssey Sports as well. We will have the great Patrick Everson join us at 10 o'clock Eastern time. But right now, we go to the phone lines and we check in with Joe Giglio, who joins us. He's a talk show host, WIP Midday Show in Philadelphia. Joe G, always great to talk to you. And we just got note of the Pro Bowl rosters that dropped. I'm sure you've had a chance to look at them. The Eagles are well represented, but I wanted to specifically ask you, Joe G, about the three linemen that were selected, Kelsey, Lane Johnson, and Landon Dickerson. Three excellent players. We know the Eagles have a really good offensive line. But as somebody who really watches and studies him, Joe G, d- does it feel like the line has been not as dominant as we've been accustomed to seeing it the last couple of years? Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, not quite as great. I think maybe a little bit of slippage from Lane Johnson, uh, you know, where he was maybe at his peak the last couple of years. J.C. Kelsey, I would say a little bit. I mean, these guys, again, they're still pro bowlers, still, yeah. still great players. Um, but I think there's been a little bit of that, not quite as good if you know last year they were clearly the best offensive line in the nfl maybe they're still a top 10 top top five unit in the league but i I think there's been a little bit of slippage probably this year across the board what about deandre swift making the pro bowl i think i was a little bit surprised by that especially how good jameer gibbs has been how good uh you know david montgomery has been was that surprising to you obviously that's great but it feels like deandre swift hasn't been as good as he was uh with detroit last year yeah, I'm with you. I think he's been fine. He's a good player. Um, you know, he obviously plays behind a really good offensive line, as we're talking about, and with a lot of good weapons around him. He's he's had a kind of a weird season when you look at his game logs. You know, he's had maybe three or four outstanding games, which kind of boosted up all his numbers for the season. And then the rest of the games this year have been, you know, they've been fine. You know, 12 carries, and he gets about 45, 50, 60 yards on the game, which is which is good. But you don't look at them week to week and say, wow, this guy is one of the best backs in the NFL. It's just kind of accumulated over the season. And he stayed healthy, which has been uh, something in the past that he has. And he's, he's, you know, he's been on the field all year for the Eagles. So it, it kind of just added up. Joe G, obviously I'm sure you guys have dissected the, the Cardinals game all week and talked about it. In this Jalen Hurts era where the Eagles have been one of the top teams in the NFC East, obviously the Super Bowl loss aside because that's in a different category, but just like a regular season loss – I mean, could you argue that this past week against Arizona was was one of the worst, was towards the top? Yeah, PJ, I'll take you back to even way before all these guys were here. I mean, we went. I went back and looked before our, our first show this week because I was just curious. I think, actually, I looked it up right after the game. I was just curious. When was the last time the Eagles lost a home game that, as that big of a favorite? Mm-hmm. And you have to go back to 2011. Remember that dream team with Michael yeah. Vick and all those guys? 
ironically, it was against Arizona uh, in the middle of that season. But they that was the last time they lost a home game where they were 12 or more point favorites. So it, it really was. And when you factor in that the number two seed, you know, the the, par, the seeds parted for them Saturday night with what happened in Dallas, and the division was there, the number two seed was there. If the Niners had lost a game, now we know they won on Sunday, but they would have had to play it out this coming week against the Rams. If the Niners had lost a game, like the Eagles took the field Sunday at home as 12-point favorites over a three-win team with the number one seed still in their sights, and they lost that game. I, I think it's one of the worst regular season home losses the Eagles have ever had in my lifetime. That, that's how bad it was when you factor in the stakes. So, yeah, it's certainly the worst home loss or loss of the Hurts era and Sirianni, but beyond that, it's, it's one of the worst Eagles losses, you know, maybe ever. We talked about wow. this last night you know, who we would feel more confident between Kansas City and Philadelphia going on a run. And with all of the drama or weirdness surrounding this Eagles team, the A.J. Brown quotes that are now circulating on Twitter are enough maybe to just pull me back in. I love how he's defending Brian Johnson, defending Nick Sirianni. Shockingly, Joe, I think PJ thinks that Sirianni is the problem in Philadelphia. He said that earlier on in the show. I don't know if I agree. But do you think that this type of commentary during the locker like in the locker room is enough to kind of uh unify the team and bring them back together enough to kind of turn this season around? We'll see. It feels like a it feels like a life vest, right? They're they're trying this is like the last ditch resort. The guy that has been the most frustrated is now the one holding court and telling everyone it's gonna be fine. We believe in everyone. This feels like the last ditch resort to try to pull this locker room back together. And Andrew Brown's a captain. So I think the last couple of weeks have been a little bit of strangeness because, yeah, he's not talking. He doesn't want to upset anyone. doesn't want to put or throw anyone on the bus. But when he doesn't talk, it makes all the other captains have to talk for him. So I think almost today was more for him to – yeah, and he apologized to his, his teammates, the fellow captains, for for not kind of holding up his end of the bargain last few weeks in terms of talking and, and being accountable. So I think today was for that. We'll see how the team responds to it. It, it was interesting because, yes, all those quotes are good on the surface, yet – you know, kind of when you read between the lines, some of the stuff he said, you're like, hmm, what does that mean? Because at one point he talked about the end of the Seattle game when Jalen Hurst threw an interception to him, you know, trying to attempt to pass to A.J. deep down the field. They only needed a field goal. It seemed like a, a pretty, you know, risky play at that point for no reason. And he mentioned today, don't blame Nick Sirianni for that. Don't blame the coaches. Jalen Hurts and I, or he said, you know, we, but obviously it was the quarterback and him, we kind of freelanced that one. So, in essence, he's saying that they just took the play call and did their own thing, which, okay, don't blame the coaches, but then why are they doing that? So it kind of opens up that can of worms. I do hope and do think it could be a good thing, but it certainly is just the latest bit of drama in a season that's had a lot of it here, despite a good record for the Eagles. What's stemming all of this, do you think? Like, is it more than one thing? Is it a, a Super Bowl hangover? Because the vibes were so high last year, and this year they couldn't be more of a 180 turn. Yeah, I, I think part of it is they just they just haven't had any fun. You mentioned vibes. I mean, there was a, a report here in Philadelphia in the Inquirer a few weeks ago that they were the most miserable 10-1 team anyone had ever seen. They weren't having fun. I think the weight of expectations, you know, they put it on themselves that they had to get back and they had to win it this year, so nothing was good enough. And even though they were winning early, you know, we all saw it. They were barely covering. They were coming back. They weren't really playing dominant football. I think they were struggling to enjoy wins because they realized they weren't, weren't playing that well. 
And then they started to lose, and it became like, oh boy, we're, we weren't enjoying the wins. Now we're losing, and the fingers started pointing. So it's been a it's been an odd year around the Eagles to where they're in the playoffs, but yet I, I kept saying this week on the show, like this team's going to play a playoff game next weekend. They will be favored, and we're talking about things like you know pointing fingers and who's culpable, and it's almost like the off season has arrived, even though the playoffs haven't even started yet. Do you think there's any chance that if they're one and done in the playoffs that maybe they make a, he- a head coaching change just looking at maybe they go after a Mike Tomlin or a Bill Belichick or maybe they're able to lure Jim Harbaugh just with maybe the potential names and I know the fan base is starting to turn a little bit on Sirianni even making the Super Bowl last year Joe with the way it's going now if they go one and done say they lose to the NFC South champ you think there's any chance that maybe you know Jeffrey Lurie may- makes a change? I do think there's a chance. Now, I'm not going to tell you guys it's a big one. I don't think it's, it's likely. But, I do, TJ, I do think there is a chance um, for, in a couple of reasons. One, Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman do not like to sit on their hands. They don't – you know, they'd rather do something a year too early rather than a year too late. I mean, Doug Peterson it was the quickest a Super Bowl winning coach had ever been fired. I mean, the Eagles waited 52 years to win a Super Bowl. The coach that won that Super Bowl was gone – within three years after winning it. So there's precedent here. I'll even go back to Chip Kelly, who obviously didn't get to a Super Bowl, but go look at Chip Kelly's career record. It wasn't bad. He was 10-6. and He was 10-6. and And in his third year, he didn't even finish the season. I think he was 7-8, and uh, something you know around 500 at the time they fired him in December. So it, here's the way I view this. I, I don't think Sirianni's resume matters as much as this. Do they think he's the right coach for next season to get this group to win a championship because they're in a window right now. I mean, they paid a quarterback right. $250 million. They have a $100 million wide receiver. They have, uh, you know, an interesting roster where it's a lot of young guys, but also some guys that are near the end. You know, how many more years do they have of Blaine Johnson? Kelsey's kind of one foot in, one foot out. So this is their window now, and that's why I think all this on the table. And I'll give you another example outside of the Eagles. You know, John Fox with the Denver Broncos, he went 13-3, and then he went to a Super Bowl, and the next year he went 12-4 and lost their first playoff game to Andrew Luck, and he was out because that, that Denver team realized, we got Peyton, we have DeMarcus Ware, we got to win right now, and they moved on. So I, I think it's kind of a unique scenario where I would not be surprised if they do it. I also won't be surprised if there's a lot of stories next week heading into the playoff game that like, hey, anything's on the table in Philadelphia. There's a lot of chatter, Joe, questioning the leadership of Jalen Hurts, which I find to be – Slightly ridiculous. He just seems to me like an introverted guy, very quiet, man of few words. What's your take on on that criticism? Yeah, it's taken me a little bit off guard too, Tristan, but mostly because the first few years he was in the NFL, all we heard about it was what great of a leader he was, right? This is his locker room. He took the locker room from Carson Wentz. Everyone loves him. I do think when the Eagles put out those videos, like in the locker room after they win, you kind of see he lets his guard down a little bit. He, he talks differently around his guys than he does in front of a microphone. So I don't really think he's actually that robotic. I think he does connect with those guys. The only thing that I've wondered as I've seen these reports and you hear these quotes is I wonder where they're coming from, and I wonder if there's some jealousy within that locker room, and I have no idea who it would be. But you think about it, like Jalen Hurts is a guy that was a second-round pick. He wasn't looked at before last year as a superstar. Then they have a great season. He's the MVP candidate. He gets paid. And I think back to that Russell Wilson stuff in Seattle, you know, eight years ago when it felt like jealousy set in to where, like, hey, this was a great team. 
why does the quarterback get the credit? This was a great team. Why does the quarterback get all the money? And I think that kind of started that rift in Seattle. I'm not saying that's going to happen in Philadelphia. It's just I, I've wondered why, just like you, this stuff's coming out. But I don't think Hurts is the problem with this team right now. Joe, looking at the game on Sunday against the Giants, I'm looking at the total specifically, and it's sitting at 42 right now. And obviously these teams played on Christmas Day. It was 33-25. to 25. We just watched the Eagles and the Cardinals play a high-scoring game as well. Giants offense has been, has been better with Tyrod Taylor in there. Eagles are scoring some points. Their defense obviously has not been great here. I mean, is that total too low? Like, I, I mean, I like the over in the game. Is that where you would lean? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I do feel it's a little bit low. And I also, I would watch, uh, you know, for a live spot in this game for the Giants side. So the Eagles are noncommittal about how they're going to approach this whole thing. I mean, they, they, they need extreme help for this to matter, this game. Otherwise, they're locked into the five seed. If Dallas beats Washington, the Eagles' result does not matter whatsoever. So, you know, I'm advocating here. They shouldn't even. I, I would concede the division. I wouldn't even play. I wouldn't put the. I wouldn't put these guys on the MetLife turf, especially with a game next weekend. I mean, I think the Eagles could actually use a bye week, but they're going to put their starters out. They're going to play. But but here's what I'm thinking. I think they're going to look at the scoreboard at halftime, and if the Dallas Cowboys are up 27 to 10 on Washington, I I think the Eagles are going to start pulling guys off the field in the mm. second half, especially their best players. You know, Jalen Hurts, Kelsey, Lane. You go to the defense, it's not great, but maybe Hassan Reddick comes off the field, which takes you know, a bad defense and makes it an awful defense. So I think with that into play there, I would look at the Giants as a live betting spot, and I also think the over in the game is, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, do you like any other player props in there if we're thinking about that in that matchup? Yeah, I mean, I, I would look, if they're going to start pulling guys off the field you know, late in the game, I would look at their second and third running backs to get get some run in the second half. I mean, if you could find uh, a line on a Kenny Gainwell and his carries or his yardage, I think that would be interesting. Same thing if, you know, Rashad Penny suited up last weekend for the first time in about seven weeks. We'll see if he's suited up again this weekend. I would look at those kind of things um, and maybe, you know, just play an over or a touchdown on an Eagles running back late in that game. Joe, we got about a minute left before we let you go. Last week of the regular season, as we head into the postseason, I think we all probably agree on who the top five in the NFC is. We just kind of disagree on the order. On the order, San Francisco, the Rams, Philadelphia, Dallas, and Detroit. So what would be your top five? What would be your pecking order of those teams? Yeah, I would go San Francisco one. I, I'm not shaken by what happened against Baltimore. I think that was more fluke than anything. I still think San Francisco is a cut above everyone in the NFC. I would go Detroit, too. I'm very impressed with the Lions, and I think they're going to make a lot of noise in this postseason. I would go Dallas, three. I would put the Eagles still at four, and then I would go the Rams at number five. So I'd go San Francisco, Detroit, Dallas, Eagles, and Rams as the top five. Very good. He is Joe Giglio, talk show host, WIP Midday Show in Philadelphia. Joe G, always great catching up with you, man. We appreciate it. Happy New Year. You too. Anytime, guys. All right, great stuff. Love that that was awesome. Isn't he the best? He just is the best. He's he just is. the nice. Him and Scott are like the nicest people from Philly I've ever met. <laughs> it's true. It's true. To be honest, I don't understand. No, that was a lot. I thought he had some great betting advice, too, for that Giants-Eagles game. Like, bet that game live. They're definitely going to be scoreboard watching. I agree. Like, should the Eagles even play their starters? Why that? Why would they? I mean, Dallas, Washington ain't beating Dallas. They, they don't want to win that game. They want to get as bets the draft pick that they possibly can. Tristan, you ready to talk some golf? Let's do it. Jeff Feinberg, he joins us next. We're out in Hawaii this week. We'll break it down.
It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network. Presented by BetMGM. Welcome back. BetMGM Tonight. PJ Glasser, Tristan Crick. Ryan Horvath, Nick Ashew with the night off. Trista, don't look at the Miami Clemson score because it's only going to make you more upset. That oh, Miami's winning by five. Don't look at UCLA Stanford either because I just told you it was that Providence first half. Trista, the next two legs. <sighs> well, like, if they would have made those two no, baskets, they probably would have covered. I know. We need Giannis to score some more points here. 125, 125. 11. Pacers are up 14. Hawks up 10 on OKC. It's like OKC's coming back a yeah, little bit. Yeah, they are. And there's still a lot of time left. Three minutes to go in the third quarter as well. So we'll keep you posted on College Hoops and the NBA. Busy night on the hardwood. I'm so excited, though, Trista, because when the calendar turns and we get to the new year, that means we go out to Hawaii and the PGA Tour season is back. The casual sports fans, right, they turn in for the Masters in April. But the golf people, they, they know, know what's up. They know what's up. The Century Tournament of Champions. Jeff Feinberg joining us now. Jeff, always great to see you. Very excited for the golf this week out in Kapalua. First off, how are you? Happy New Year. How's everything going? I am. I'm doing well. I've got. I got no no real complaints. Uh, but yeah, That's golf. I, I honestly wish golf took a little more time off. Feels like it never ends. It's almost like a Monday Night Raw schedule. Um, but, hey, we're back. We got some good players here again. I sort of, you know, warm up to it, but it's beautiful. You'll tune in tomorrow night with the time change, and you'll just see these beautiful picturesque shots out in Hawaii. It'll it'll warm us out here in the Northeast. Well said. Yeah, well said. I, I like the pessimism, honestly. <laughs> we love you for that. The snark is, I think, one of your greatest qualities. Um, the snark is strong for the live, too. I feel like the live tour said, every man, Jeff, has their price. Your morals, F your morals. We're just going to give you the most amount of money that you've even dreamed of and take the PGA Tour's most ideological man and give him to our side. Uh, John Rom bolts for the live for an obscene amount of money, the defending champ of the century. Like, Do you think that that move has any shadow over the PGA Tour this season, over this tournament, any effect at all? I personally believe it absolutely does. I'm one of these people when we talked about the elite players in each event, like for me, it's, you know, you're flipping coins, but I always felt John Rahm was the best player on planet Earth, even better than Scotty Scheffler. If I had to pick between the two, I always would. The golf fan loses because him not being there does take something away from a PGA event. At the same time, I don't believe people are going to run to watch live to see John Rahm. So, in the end, us as golf fans just get hurt, Trista. And a few years ago, Adam Scott said only like eight or ten of these events matter. And they could do whatever they want with the other like 40 they subject us to. And now it's to, probably to the point where it's truly only the majors do matter. And for golf fans, yes, as betters, you'll find a bet. You'll, you'll get yourself interested. But for golf fans, like you have to have your barometer for like what's going to matter now. 
And I've joked, like, for me, if any event that Hovland and Ludwig are in, then I guess it will matter to me. But you've almost got to choose your own adventure as to what you'll actually care about outside of majors. Yeah, it's a really good point. I agree with everything that you said. Let's talk about the Century Tournament of Champions, Jeff. I've locked in Jordan Spieth as my guy this week. I absolutely love him. When you look at this course, you know it's a second-shot golf course. Got to be a good iron player. These fairways are huge. These greens are massive. And we know Jordan Spieth is a great iron player, and he's a great long-range putter. He's a good lag putter. He's a past winner here before. I like Jordan this week. What are your thoughts on Spieth? Yeah, I mean, you made a great case for Jordan Spieth, and the one thing that I know a lot of people are eager and willing to back Spieth right now for Kapalua for all the reasons you've mentioned, and his one sort of bugaboo last year was his putter. But anyone who's sort of a golf fan who likes to bet golf, you almost want to take solace in the fact that I know Jordan Spieth got back in that lab, worked on that putter, and I could be as confident as any player that that putter will be there for him uh, this week in Kapalua. It is a bet uh, I stared at. It is one that I didn't make, but Jordan does check a lot of people's boxes this week and was probably a very fair price in that mid-20s range. Tom Kim, 30-1, to one, fifth place at the Century. He's finished in the top 25 in his last nine starts. What do you think about Tom Kim for top 10? I absolutely love Tom Kim this week. He's a pick that I've made to win, Trista. Uh, I'm incredibly bullish on Tom Kim as a whole for 2024. And I almost like joke that I got myself in this spot where I'm so high on him for the year. It's like a guy who picks a team to win the World Series. We're at, it's like game one of 162. And I'm like, well, I picked him to win the World Series. So I'm going to pick him to win game one of 162. Here we go. But you mentioned it. The T5 is a debutant last year at a course that does not treat debutants well at all. He did not even gain strokes on the green last year. He lost strokes putting. He is a bit of a wild card with the putter. But when you saw what he was able to do, getting absolutely nothing from the putter, it has me really excited for Kim this week and, and clearly as a whole, as I mentioned, for the year ahead. Jeff, your thoughts on Ricky Fowler this week. So Fowler hasn't played at this tournament since 2020, but there was a span from 2016 to 2020 where he played three times in those five years, and he actually finished in the top five all three of those times. So his course history is really strong here. We know Ricky got back on track last season. I think he's a decent price at 30-1, to one, top 10. I think it could be a good week for Ricky. What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I've sort of noticed I am a no action on, on Ricky this week, sort of anywhere, not really picking on him like you. Uh, PJ, I do feel that he's kind of under the radar right now. There was such like a tipping point for him last year, U.S. Open, the win in, De in Detroit, I want to say, and then, you know, getting himself back on the Ryder Cup team. It seems like a very fair situation and certainly a course fit. Those Bermuda greens, uh, he's always seems to play uh, well on coastal courses as well. So I, I could see it. I've sort of, there's some other guys in the 30s range that I've, got my eye on a rebound for Tony Fee now I think this coastal course sets up beautifully for him and Matthew Fitzpatrick a guy who was T2 headed into Sunday last year finished T7 you mentioned a second shot putting golf course I mean he yes he's gained so much with the driver that's sort of a non-factor in some ways this week second shot putter Matthew Fitzpatrick I think at a very fair number 
What do you think about Eric Cole, PGA Rookie of the Year, and his chances to do anything? Yeah, he's 55 to 55 to 1 to win, but he's plus 130 for top 20. You got any action on him, any feel on him? So Eric Cole's been a great debate uh, for me in many respects this week. I've seen him in doing some like year-long PGA drafts. He's going so high because he just plays so much, so people are so attracted to that. He's in the elevated events like this. Here's the thing. As a as a golf better, you almost have to make the decision this week or or just or just be all in on Eric. But you could bet him at 55, 60 to 1 to win this week, or you could think, you know what? I'm gonna swallow one, I'm gonna take it at one third the number, and I'm gonna just bet him at 22 to 1 to win the Sony. There are some players I'd rather three times the number against better competition, because I feel their best will work perfectly. But I don't know. I sense Eric. I'd rather take one third of the number, and I'll be on him, on him next week. That being said, 125 yards and in a putting golf course, I he could, he could be tapping in plenty, and he's as good of a putter as there is on planet Earth. So I definitely see where the connection is. He's never won. This field does have some huge names. That's sort of where um, what I can't get over for this one. Jeff, who's the golfer this week that you're the most torn on, that you keep going back and forth of, maybe I'll place bet on him, maybe I won't. Is there a guy or two in the field this week? Yeah, it absolutely was. I mean, what Monday morning was New Year's Day. It was a, a big football day, but it was the first day ready to bet some golf. And I've gone back and forth on Patrick Cantley. Like, hung over on Monday morning. If I wanted to feel, like, just putting him, just almost double-clicking him to win this golf tournament, like, I felt alive. Not necessarily a good feeling, but I felt alive inside. There's been so much negative energy around Cantley from the golf fan. And I I really do believe that he is him and his his buddy Xander might be coming out to like crotch chop all of us this year and finally pick up some wins. So he's a player that I, I was real tempted to bet. In the end, I didn't, but I, I do believe both of them they're in a bit of a wind drought, those two as well. Uh, I believe they're both really going to be ready to get off the mat and are perfect course fits in Kapalua. Yeah, they are the villains, aren't they? I love big villain and energy for Cantley. Even though Rory's not in the field, you got 59 of the top 100 in the world golf rankings are going to be here because of this increased $20 million prize pool. Like, Do you think the pay bump in prize money this year impacts these smaller tourneys in terms of that the top players are going to play when they often skip? I do believe this one is entirely its own animal, Trista. It's brand, It's right at the new year. We're not really sure. Some of these guys, they'll acknowledge after their Thursday round or you know, they haven't picked up a club. It's a no-cut event, so it's a free payday. You've seen some guys tweeting about toddlers and time change, so who knows what sort of experience they're going to be having out there. And you got guys who I'm sure have been fired up, ready to to take advantage of this. And that's the one thing we don't know. Historically, that being said, the guys that have won here have teed it up and kind of been pretty successful in some spot like before, be it the uh, the Hero Challenge or something that was right before it. There's been a, a connection to guys who do have some form, and, and I guess that's a big dot for your Eric Cole poll as well, and some of the... Uh, the uh, Asians, uh, the South Korean players as well would check those boxes. But it's like, who knows who's coming here ready, ready to grind. These guys make so much money. It's a top 59 free payday. That's, that's, 
that's like the amateur psychology part of it you gotta play because there's no one giving us injury reports like on a Wednesday in football or telling us you know who's here focused yeah who would be some names that are big names that you want to stay away from because you feel like they just are definitely not in form oh geez that's the thing all these guys at the top i would actually be be quite afraid of scheffler just won uh the hero challenge victor always scares me morikawa won in japan i've mentioned the narrative street motivation i feel with xander and cantley this week and, and max homa feels as consistent and safe as as anybody um you know what there i said it max homa newborn new year He's got so much. He's probably like hyper focused on so many bigger events than a hit and giggle. So if I did have to try to pick on one, it would be Max Homa. But if he won, I wouldn't be shocked either. Jeff, looking at just the season as a whole in the PGA Tour, like for the casual listeners out there who maybe only follow and watch the golf majors, who is like a golfer or two? that you think could be a name to watch this season? That might not be a household name right now, but you think could be in contention at a major or a big event this season. Oh, this one is absolutely easy for me. Uh, and a lot of people in the golf orbit, this will be no secret, but it is Min Woo Lee. Uh, I believe this guy has all the chops uh, to contend in big events. His ball striking feels like it is perfectly, his game feels like it is perfectly set up for the sort of venues we seem to consistently go to for U.S. Opens and and PGA Championships. I'm not going to lie. I've played them 80-1 to one to win the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the, and the PGA. Wasn't sure which one he'd do it, so I picked all three. <laughs> Fair enough. We also know you, Jeff, as more than just a golf better and handicapper. We know Uh-oh. you as a sad, <laughs> a sad... former San Diego Chargers, current L.A. Chargers fan. What a year it's been. Just the disaster against the Raiders, capping off into a firing of Brandon Staley, GM, new GM, new head coach. We don't even know if he'll stick around. Probably not. GIF, they call him. GIF. I'm not sure which one to pronounce. Your thoughts just on the S show of this year. It was a disaster, and there's great shame for me that comes with it, Trista. There's a scenario this week. I'll get emotional even thinking about it because I care so much. If Arizona wins and the Chargers lose, that's kind of ideal. The char- like the Chargers will go to the podium on draft day in front of Arizona. In front of Arizona. There's a time in history where I'd have been dragged into the town square and they would have chopped off my arm. Like It would have to be a scarlet letter. Like, forever, I would have to live with the shame uh, based on the the discourse before the year to be picking before Arizona. Not even to look at the playoff picture and see the teams that were able to contend this year and to not even have been a part of that is demoralizing in and of itself on its own. I'll leave you quickly. I'm in this, like, Jim Harbaugh conspiracy orbit. Like, that is where I live right now. So much has been made of him hiring Don Yee to represent him NFL super agent Google Don Yee and the Chargers he's like on the board of trustees on the Chargers they have a fellowship named after him for Asian Americans so people are being like a Raiders Brady connection with Don Yee no it is the Chargers it is he's a fixer of everything we I desperate I am desperate fix us Jim 
Oh, he's the best. Jeff Feinberg, you can catch him on Medio Media Network and Odds Checkers US. Jeff, happy new year. Great stuff as always. Bet MGM tonight, PJ and Trist. I'll be right back. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. Let the conversation continue with BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. PJ Glasser, Trista Crick, BetMGM Tonight, Ryan and Nick. With the night off, we're wrapping up hour number three. We're with you guys until 11 o'clock Eastern time. We've had a great show. Make sure you go back and listen to the podcast. We've had awesome guests after awesome guests. Vaughn Dalzell joined us to talk a little college football national championship. Then we had Joe Giglio on to talk the Eagles. Jeff Feinberg just joined us to talk about the golf out in Hawaii. Starting great tomorrow. Great breakdown. Great breakdown. And then uh, Patrick Hefferson is going to join us. At the top of the hour, we're going to talk a little bit of everything with Pat. College Football National Championship, Week 18 in the NFL, all that good stuff as well. But Trista, let's uh, look at what's going on around the NBA, college basketball. Is there anything you're currently betting? Are your bets looking any better? So here's the thing that I'm I'm very annoyed by. Mm-hmm. So there's this thing we call parking lot bets, and that's the, the fact that we cannot bet individual props or any anything inside of this location right here. Correct. We can't bet uh, in D.C. except for a block-by-block block radius, which happens to be in our parking lot. And I forgot to bet this when I was at home because I live in Virginia now. And so I took it in. I tried to take it at the parking lot, which was Tyrese Halliburton over 30-and-a-half points and rebounds. And it was closed. That bet was closed by itself. But you could do that in the same game parlay. For whatever reason, the same game parlay was open. Uh-huh. And so I said, okay, let me add the most sure bet that is just, I have to put something with it, right? And so I put Brooke Lopez two blocks and Tyrese Halliburton 30 points and rebounds. Would you know it? Brooke Lopez, who's getting, I think, three blocks a game. He had six blocks the last time that these two teams played. He doesn't have one. Not one yep. block, PJ. <laughs> Knew that was I coming. am absolutely livid. Gosh. Why? And it was the only reason I took it is because the bet was closed. It said closed. Closed. I'm absolutely pissed. I yes. lost a bet for no reason at all. That is the worst. Because I didn't want to wait until it came available again. Who knows when that's going to happen? You yeah. know how the books are. Of course. Shady as they are. Mm-hmm. Dang it. That's annoying. That's annoying. Arianis, my honest bet isn't going to hit the uh, the points rebound. So that's a shame. Giannis finishes with 26 points. Yep. Parlay didn't hit either. The Hawks are cooking 128-117. Seven and a half to go in the fourth quarter. Miami Hurricanes are cooking. They're up 10 with four and a half to go. Bruins. UCLA's cooking. They're up Everybody five. Everybody but Providence the, is know. cooking. Tristan, you knew this was going to happen. I should have just taken UCLA and Miami. Should have just done that. So You didn't tell me which one you were the scaredest about. I know because if I did and then that was the only one that won, you would have been like, Paige, why did you tell me you were scared of that one? <laughs> I know how you get. Fordham's up 114-110 on George Washington with a minute to go in that game. So that is a high-scoring affair. Pelicans are putting it on Minnesota, 84-65. to I knew it. Three minutes to go in the third quarter. Would you take a live look at Minnesota at all, plus 13.5, down by 19? No, I don't think so. It feels like Minnesota when they – well, actually, you know what? 
The Pelicans have given up more double-digit yeah, double leads than any other team right now in the NBA. I think they've, I think they've let ten-point leads slip mm-hmm. six times recently. So maybe I mean Minnesota at home, but the Pelicans' first half was the play. I didn't do it. Um, I took Houston money line. I took Memphis money line, and I took OKC money line. One of those looks like they're going to hit Houston because Brooklyn is terrible, but. I just don't have a feel on these sides tonight, I guess. Well, you were right about the Rockets. They're up 77-68 on the Nets with three minutes to go in the third quarter. They're minus 900 on the money line, so well done there. That's looking good. Uh, The Grizzlies are down 70-80 to to the Raptors. Mavericks are pouring it on the Blazers, 70-44. to Bulls are up 55-51 on the Knicks. Clippers are up 45-33 on the Suns. Pistons are up 47-37 to on the Jazz right now. Would you take a little Jazz money line at minus 135 or Jazz minus one and a half? Ooh. Are the Pistons winning their fourth game of the season tonight? That, I mean, maybe they found themselves some rhythm, PJ. <laughs> it's real sad over there. They're not that bad, are they? No, they like, can't they, be. They have some guys on that roster. I mean, who? Cade Cunningham? Yeah, but, I mean, like, Duren's okay, right? I like Duren. Duren's yeah. probably my favorite Piston, Is actually. Wiseman still hurt, or is he even playing? Wiseman it? stinks. He does so stink? He's, he's healthy and stinky. Does he? Absolutely terrible. Mm. Didn't he, you go on a rant on one of your Crick Talks the other day about Detroit? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, been, I've been talking about Detroit since probably the second week of the season when they benched Jaden Ivey. Uh, for Killian, shoot him into the moon haze. Really? So I've been Jayden, talking about this for months now. Has Jaden not been good in the league? Or they're just not giving him opportunities? They don't like him. I don't think he's very good, but you kind of have to play a guy that you took in the first round that early. Yeah. Do you not? Lottery pick. Got to yeah. see what you got. Especially when you're this bad, you got to see what you're what you're Ooh. working with. By the way, I took, do you remember I said I took Jalen Brunson, eight assists. I took OG Ananobi over one and a half threes. And I took... Uh, I think it was Julius Randle points, 20 points, Julius Randle. And all that together was plus 400. Jalen Brunson already with four assists at halftime. Good mm. stuff. Great stuff. Very good. Very good. We got two games still to come, Tristan, that start in 22 minutes. Magic at the Kings. I like the Heat Magic. at the Lakers. You like the Magic plus five and a half. You like this Magic team? I love this Magic You like Paolo? I love it. You this like is Suggs? The, the, both teams I need to play and win games. I've told you this. I've been saying it since the beginning of the season. We talked about this last year when the Magic were 100-1 to 1 to win the division. And we're yeah. like, this is 150-1 to 1 at one point. That's right. We all jumped on it. I won the Kings 45-1 to 1 division winner ticket. So I put them together. I put the Magic to win the division, and I took the Kings to win the division at 71-1, to 1, PJ. 71-1. to 1. And they're already offering me money to cash out because they're afraid. The books are shaking in their boots. So I, I love the Magic tonight. I love the Kings in general, but one of these teams has to come out uh, as a winner. We can't have a tie, right? right? Otherwise, I'd want them both to win because I need them both to win as many games as possible. But, yeah, I like the Magic as, as dogs in this spot. I can't believe how good Franz Wagner is in the NBA. Like, I liked him at Michigan. I didn't think he'd be this. He averages and 21 Mo a Wagner, game. too. He averages 21 a game. Mo Wagner's uh, averaging 11 points. and Which he was against. almost out of the league, yeah, Mo Wagner. Yeah, played for the Lakers. Not, uh-huh. not many people remember that. He got bounced around a little bit. Played for the Wizards. You know what? They got a nice little team. I like their guard rotation. Cole Anthony, Suggs. 
It's been very Markel good. Markel Fultz, Fultz when is he's hurt right now. Yeah, yeah, when he comes back, Anthony Black, who we loved oh, from Arkansas, Arkansas. Love he's Anthony really Black. good. Yeah, get some time. For you, that. You've got Jet Howard, who hasn't really played a lot. So they have five guards who yeah. are legitimately pretty damn good. Then you got wing play. You got big men. Wendell Carter's really good. Jonathan Isaac, when he's healthy, he's really good. So well, not really good, but he's good enough as like a backup dude. They mm-hmm. like him a lot to anchor their defense. They're just a fun team. Obviously, Paolo, who I love. Just a really good, fun team, balanced team. Yeah, right now they are in the five. They are the five seed in the Eastern Conference. If the playoffs started today, Indiana, it is official. They have defeated the Bucks. They have won five straight games. Milwaukee has dropped their second straight. So now Boston with a two and a half game lead in the Eastern Conference over the Bucks. How about the Celtics? Trister sixteen and zero at home this season. They're very wow. good. They almost lost to Detroit. They did. Isn't basketball? Isn't sports just crazy? I wish. General. I really was hoping that they would allow that to be the loss that they had at home, the it first one at home. I wish they went forty and one this season, and that was the I loss. Know, right? <laughs> that would have been awesome. What about the Heat and the Lakers? Lakers are five and a half point favorites at home tonight. The total is two twenty eight and a half. Are you worried about the Lakers? Yeah, man. This is just not a good team. They mm. don't have any shooters. I don't know why they don't understand a very simple philosophy. We know the Sebron, philosophy. Brown, LeBron with shooters. Everybody knows it. Even you, Peach. No shade to you. It's all but good. You're not like the most hardcore in the weeds NBA fan, just no. like I'm not the most hardcore in the weeds college basketball fan or college football fan. But even I know. And even you know the very fundamental rule. All you have to do is surround AD and Braun with shooters. That's it. That's all. They they just stand on the perimeter and wait. That's correct. And they have to be really good. Give them Ray Allen. Give them Kyle Korver. Give them James Jones. I mean, isn't that? Give them Mike Miller. Like I mean, Shane these are the Battier. ones. These like, are the that's, ones. That's how you win championships with LeBron. That's what you do. I mean, so. hell, even give them Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma was just standing there in the corner. Nope. Instead, they're giving you Rui Hachimura. They're giving you Torian Prince. They're oh my giving God. you Cam Reddish. They're giving you Christian Wood. I mean, that's... These are just not the dudes, no, that, right? They're just, just not the dudes. It ain't it. So, yeah, I am worried. I think they do need to make a move. Mm-hmm. Does Zach Levine help them? Yes, I guess. What are you giving up to get them? They do need more three-point shooting, and Zach Levine can do that. I just don't think he's a very smart basketball player. That's like the book. From what I'm hearing from people who are around these players players that like people who train with these guys like the the book on Zach Levine nice guy yeah uh not a very high IQ basketball player I gotta tell you this Miami Heat team I think they're they're starting to come I I like them a lot think they're starting to come around yeah I do you like Jaime Hawkes I love him he's one of my favorite players in college me too that was the perfect draft pick you know there are certain times where a guy just in either NFL or NBA, where a guy gets drafted to a team, you're like, he's the perfect, he's the perfect stealer. He's the perfect Heat. Jaime yes. Hawkes to Miami was just like, that was the ultimate Heat culture guy right there. He's filling in great. I mean, he's averaging a little less than 14 a game for him. He comes off the bench. He gives you great defense. He's just, he's perfect in that role. What I think is crazy about Miami, Trista, they have three guys that average over 20 points a game. Butler, Bam, and Tyler Hero. So they can fill it up. Obviously, when the game slows down, when we get to the postseason, the Heat went to the finals last year. You know they're going to be well coached. You know they're going to be in the right spots. They'll play good defense. 
I like Miami. That'd be a team to watch. I know we're talking about the big three with Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia. Don't forget about Miami. Yeah, I think the one thing that's tricky for Miami is they still don't have a lot of perimeter shooting. And that in the playoffs is really what hurts them. If Jimmy goes crazy and they go nuts and they become some sort of three-point shooting machine like they did in the early rounds of the Mm -hmm. playoffs, then you say to yourself, okay, like Miami can go as far as that goes. As soon as they go ice cold, and they did against Denver, and you know, give it to Denver's defense, but they weren't one of the best defenses in the NBA. Right. And as soon as Miami went cold, it was like night-night sleep mask. So that's fair. That's something that I'm watching. That's something that I'm concerned about. That's fair. That line actually just dropped down to four and a half. Lakers favored over Miami tonight at Crypto.com. Crypto, Crypto. Arena. The great Patrick Everson, senior reporter for Vegas Insider, joins us next. We're going to talk about the Natty on Monday night between Michigan and Washington. Talk week 18 in the NFL. Patrick Everson on MetMGM tonight. Coming up 10 o'clock Eastern time.